With the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Dav Kuf Yud Dalid. We left off on Dav Kuf Yud Gimel Amid Beis, three lines from the bottom of the Amid, says the Gemara Machvis Rava. Rava made the following announcement, Vitemarafunam, or Rafuna made the following announcement that the soul Kinla Eila, those who go above, meaning those of us in bubble that go to Eretz Israel, or Udenachas in Lesata, those people from Israel that are going down, Eretz Israel is up. Hi, body Israel. If there is a Jewish person, the Yoda Sahadusa Lukuti that knows written testimony that will benefit a goy, but no one asked him to come to court, and he himself so there's a Jew and a guy that are having a, a fight and the Kuti, the guy is going to take his Jewish litigant to a Goyesha court and the Goyesha court did not subpoena you to come and you came on your own so now he said like this if the din that the Goyim are going to be paskening if they would have followed Din Taira, they would not be able to come there. For example, by us, witnesses have to be two. Until today, in Goyesha courts, one person is believed. Obviously, they'll interrogate him. But the concept of believing one person to take money out from someone else is not something that we accept. So if a Jew went to a Goyesha court, when the Goy was suing another Yid, and based on his testimony, he's going to take money out of the Yid, so then they put this Jew into Chedim. Now it's interesting that the Gemara is saying this over here that's only if he was not subpoenaed to go to court which would imply that if he was subpoenaed to go to court then he has to testify. There's another important detail. If the Jewish witness actually knows that the Jew owes the non-Jew money then he should go to court. As we are learning our sugya, we're not allowed to steal, period, from no one. But if the Jewish witness doesn't know the whole picture he only knows that which he's testifying about. And this type of testimony, Bidin Yisrael, would not be valid. And he offered his testimony in a din of Goyim, he's put him to Chedim. My Tama, the Inu Mapke Mamayna, Apuma Dechad, Kufyadawit, because the Goyim allow one witness to be believed, even to extract money from the losing party. And Bidin Yisrael, that's unacceptable. Adds the Gemara of Eloyim, Arun Elabachad. This is only said if Taki is the only witness. But if there are another witness, so a Jew and someone else are testifying in a Goyish court, then the, you don't put the Jew into Chedim. The opposite. We want for societies to have law and order. So if it's a case is being tried in a Goyish court, but they are following the same principles as Dine Yisrael, then Adarab. And more than that, when can one Jew not go to testify in a Goisha court? Only if it is a village court. Like Rashi says, village courts accept the testimony of one witness. But government courts of Babel, they learned many dinim from Jews. They also only extracted money based on two witnesses. Inunami, the Bach adds the letter Aleph, Achad. If there's only one witness, they only demand the defendant to make an oath. And by the way, they learned this from the Jews. Because if there's one witness that, are, that are saying that Shimon, you owe money to the oven, Shimon is saying, I don't know anything, Shimon will have to take an oath. So if the, the, the rules of the Goyim are similar to the Jews, this one witness will only have an effect that he, he would have had then he can go testify in the Goyish court. Another important caveat that we're speaking here about monetary rules. 
in which even if someone wrongfully loses, they only lose money, whenever it comes to any area of security or of safety, if the Goyim are the ones that are empowered to bring law and order in a place, then we're obligated to participate to make sure that this area is a safe place to live in. When I, or we have again, not Rafuna, because you know Rafuna basically took over after Rav Hamnuna, who took over from Rav. Ravashi, like we just spoke out like two Shiurim ago, Ravashi was one of the redactors of the Talmud. So therefore the Mesiris Hashas amends that Ravashi wasn't in the house of Rafuna, he was in the house of Rav Kahana. The following question was asked, Adam Chashuv, if there is an important person, the Somchi Alei Kibetre, that the government relies on one person like two, and they will take money even on the testimony of one. Notice he's just making a statement, a fact, that even though Goyim and the Bey Davars also only accepted two Edim, but the governments, if Amoysha Rabbeinu would come to court to testify, Bidini Yisrael, he won't be believed like two. He's only one. But by the Goyim, if someone was Chashuv, they would rely on him. The problem is, is that when a Chashuv, a person is subpoenaed, if they don't come to a Goyisha court to make Nechel Hashem, they look like they're not working together with the government. So they asked if there's one person that the government will rely on him. So should he not go testify? Because money will be extracted. Since he's a renowned person, the government says, ah, that Jewish rabbi, that Jewish person, you know, we can rely on him even though he's only one person. He should not try to find his way out. Because if he'll... Even if they didn't subpoena him, if they're going to find out later that guy, that this Jew knew something and he didn't come and say, it's going to be a big chil Hashem. And therefore, he should go testify. So take off. For that, they had no answer. Oh, there is a balance over here of the points being subpoenaed versus not being subpoenaed. Again, all the price can say if the Jewish witness knows that the Jew owes money to the guy, he should testify, even if they have different rules. Because you're not allowed to steal. But if the witness doesn't know the whole thing, he only knows a certain limited amount of information. And if he will testify in a Goyesh court, they will rely on his testimony. In a scenario where Bedina Yisrael, you would not rely on his testimony. If there's no Chil and Kiddush Hashem involved, then you should not go testify. If there is a Chil Hashem involved, that's the Teiku. Omar Ravashi says, Ravashi, Habari Yisrael, if you have a Yid, the Zabin that sells land to a Goy, but the land that's sold to a guy borders a Jewish neighbor. So a Jew sells land to a non-Jew. The land borders with another Yid. You put the seller into Chedim. Why would you put him into Chedim? Don't bring in Dina the Bar and that's based on a Pasik. Do what's right and just. Do what's right and just. That's a very broad statement. Says the Gemara, says Chazal, that if I own land and I have a Jewish neighbor and I'm selling my land, I'm obligated first to sell it to my neighbor. Why? Because when you own a parcel of land that is double the size, for you, it's a lot more valuable. Your land gets additional value. It's easier for you to tend it. For me, I'm the seller. What difference does it make to me if I'm getting the same price from my neighbor or from a stranger? So do the right thing and sell it to your neighbor. Now really, as we'll learn in a moment, the main obligation 
is not on the seller, it's on the buyer. That the, the buyer shouldn't have bought it, the buyer should have allowed the neighbor to be the first one to give a bid. Again, if the buyer is paying less money, no problem. But if the monies will be the same, a buyer should allow the neighbor to get it. And here, the buyer was a guy. The seller was the Jew. So the Gemara says it can be because of Dina de Bar Why not? Because of Amar Mar, we learned that Zobin may akum. If a person buys from a guy, or Vezabin la'akum, if you sell to a guy, there is no Dina de Bar Obviously, if you are buying from a guy, a guy is not bound by Bar And more than that, if I buy from a guy, the Jewish neighbor cannot say, why did you buy it? Why did you not allow me to buy it? I can tell him who says the guy would sell it to you. In the meanwhile, you had a non-Jewish neighbor, now you have a Jewish neighbor. I already helped you. We think it's a help. Good. But the, here the, question, the case was different. Here the Jew was the seller, the guy was the buyer. And again, is on the buyer, not on the seller. So what's the issue? Ella, it's amazing. The the neighbor tells the Jewish seller that you put a lion on my border. Why did you put a lion on my border? Because the, the laws on the non-Jews were not like the laws of the Jews. There are many laws in Hilchah Shechenim. I don't know the civil law right now. That was so behind Jewish law. Our high standard of responsibilities that neighbor have to each other. And getting the right balance. I'm the landowner. So I'm the landlord. Lord, And I have rights to do whatever I want on my property. Yes and no. The moment what I'm doing will disturb my neighbor. So we have Hezekiah. We'll learn Baba Basra. There's so many laws in where a neighbor has to... Be mindful of what I'm doing here will affect him over there. Goyim didn't have those laws. So if I sell my land to a Goy, I'm bringing someone that potentially, by Dine Yisrael, will be Mazik the neighbor. Now what did I do? I'm causing damage to happen in the future. That's called Grama. Normally Grama bin Ezekiel is potted. But since I was the one that brought the Goy... So the Shachan tells me, I brought a lion to be near him. So they put me into a cheirim until Until I, the seller, sign that if the guy will do something that Bedina Yisrael, he's not allowed to do. He'll get away with it because he's a non-Jew. If I will compensate, Groma bin Yisrael is potter. I have to take upon myself to be responsible for the causative damages. Then they take the ban off. Was, I'm allowed to sell it. And that was the whole thing that the Rebbe was so upset about. And going back to the 60s when, when people in Kranites were selling their properties to non-Jews, we're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that because of this rule. Because of the law, Hil Chashchenim. meaning that it's better to have a Jewish neighbor than a non-Jewish neighbor because we have very high standards which put restrictions on Shechenim. So if I have a Jewish neighbor and he's making too much noise, I'll give you an example here, I think. How, until what time can I make noise? 10 o'clock. I don't think Dini Yisrael, the lawyers give 10 o'clock. I, I, I don't know for sure. I think that if I have a Jewish neighbor and I have kids and they're making noise after my kids' bedtime, I can take them to a dentator and they'll tell them to stop making noise. Who says 10 o'clock? 10 o'clock is for adults. I'm saying we have very high standards when it comes to neighborly laws. Hilcha Shechenim. The whole Baba Basra begins with Hilcha Shechenim. So it's better to have a Shachan that's a, that's a, that's a tight abiding id because both of us will be bound by the high standards that we have from the Torah. Says the Mishnah. Going back to tax collectors, custom collectors, 
whether the money they have is presumed stolen, whether the items that they have are presumed stolen, in the times when they were not exactly doing what the king gave them the rights to do, they went beyond their rights. Many third world countries today, you talk, assume that a tax collector is a Ghana. You know, in Brazil, when I grew up, when they would come collect taxes, taxes didn't know But the tax collector would right away tell the uh, business owner, here's a chaim. If I'm going to go by the law of the land, I'm going to write you a fine that's going to cost uh, two million dollars, two million uh, cruzeiros. If you want to come to understanding with me, so the, the whole thing was one big geneva. That's the geneva, the ganover. So now what happens the following? What happens if notru moichsem es chamoiroi, a custom collector, takes your donkey? However, he's giving you back an inferior donkey. How did he get that inferior donkey? He stole it from the guy before you. So the question is, can you take it? He's, he's robbing you. He wants to make the robbery less painful. But he's not giving his money. He's giving another Geneva. Or not listim. Let's now interpret listim a ganav. Let's make a clarity. There's a gazlon and a ganav. A gazlon is someone that robs in front of everyone. Someone who approaches you without a mask. And he takes, what's, he takes your stuff. He's stronger than you. A ganav is someone who doesn't want to be caught. Let's, beginning, let's teach listim means a ganav. If a robber went into my house, this is Brazilian ganavim. They ganav, but they, like, they have rachmanas on you. Now I had an aunt that was armed robbed with a baby, it was a trauma, and then he gave her money to take a taxi home. Rachmanas. Oh, so here like it is. So a listim goes into someone's house, and they take his garment, he had a fancy suit, he had a uh, Jeffrey Ruder suit, but he, he didn't want to leave you on a suit, so he left you a psashmata. He took your fancy suit, but he left you his, uh, his old suit is Mustama Giganvit. Question is, can you keep it? Ah, here the mission says, you can keep it. Why? Key words here. Rashi says, very important, the mistama, mistama, that we can presume that the, the donkey that he left, the custom collector, the garment that the thief left, that was stolen from someone prior to you, mistama, they had the yush. Now, yush kani, again, we spoke out, we had a homach loikas earlier in the samachs, whether yush kedi kani, the previous sugya was learned that Yush kedi loikani, but Yush and shinurishus is kani. Here, luchura, you have Yush and shinurishus. No, it's the robber stole it. The owner gave up hope. Now he's giving it to you. You can keep it. Ha! Now, next part of the Mishnah. You presume whatever he has is stolen. Now you can. Came home and the thing was replaced. And you know that someone broke into your house. Yes, yes, yes. And now, look at next case. If I save something in a river. In other words, the river flooded over an area. And it went into people's homes. The river took their stuff. And I find it in the river. Or menagayas. I find something in the hands of troops. I don't steal it from them. can't from Ganovim. Haganif and Haganif is part of to pay the penalty. But troops went into a city and they forgot stuff behind. The stuff that they forgot behind, they took from other people. Or list them. So here the Mishnah says, it's almost like a contradiction. In this Yuashu Olim, see, it's not Mipnei Shenis Yuashu. In Rashi says, if you know for sure the owners gave up hope, 
you heard the original owner saying, Vai, oy, vai I lost that. Then you can keep it. And if you did not explicitly hear it, then you cannot keep it. Rashi says, the Gemara is going to point out that's a stira. We'll get to that in the Gemara. The chain, nechil shall devoid him. A swarm of bees. Oh, I'll speak out the whole thing to the end already. Bees and birds. Midoraisa, you cannot acquire them. Anything that flies, even if they planted themselves in my backyard, since they fly, there's no king in. Midraban and I acquired them. So what happens if my swarm of bees flew to another property? After it lived in mine, I don't know how long it has to be mine for it to be mine. Now, bees have value. Today, you don't want the bees. Then, you know, it gives honey. So, the din is, in this yuashu, if you know the owners gave up hope, then you can keep it. A swarm of bees. So, Lachura, this is Namish like we learned before. The Gemara is going to ask, why are you repeating? Why would you think that a swarm of bees are different for the Mishnah to repeat the same rule that you cannot presume there was a yush? It's not like the ratio of the Mishnah. You have to know. A woman or a child that normally are not kosher witnesses, they can say, If a swarm of bees planted themselves today in my backyard, and I'm keeping the loan of the Mishnah, the original owners owned it. They did not give up hope. I have to give it back. I don't know to whom. So if someone that's normally not a kosher witness says, this came from there, I give it back to them. Why we believe them? We'll see in the Gemara. What happens if I had a swarm of bees, and I know, it was mine, and then it flew into your neighbor, it flew into you, you're my neighbor, and it planted itself on your branch. So we're saying that it still belongs to me. I didn't give up hope. Can I get it? Why not? What happens if me getting it means I will damage your property? For example, it made your branch into its new home. You have to know the denim of bees. If I would take a bee at a time, then I would get some of the bees, most of them will fly away. The best way for me to retrieve my bees is by cut off, cutting off your branch. Cutting off your branch, I'm being mazik you. I want to pay you for the branch. Do I have the right to be mazik your branch to save my property even when I want to pay you for it? Tanakama says, I can save it, but the imhizik, mashal mashahizik. First of all, I'm not allowed to cut off your branch. If I accidentally do damage, I got to pay for the damages. Furthermore, I want you to know that we had this quoted enough, pay Allah from the days, and soichai was with the sin. Interesting. Here's what the Samach. But I'm not allowed to outright cut off your branch, even with the intent of paying you the money. I cannot do hezik. Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Hamarekas, says, Yes, I could. That's the Machlaikas. Af koitzes venoisinas damim. If the only way for me to save my bees is cutting off your branch, I can go into your property and I can cut off your branch, obviously I have to pay you. But that's, that's his opinion. Says the Gemara, quoting the first din of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says regarding the Moiches or the Listim that they stole something of great value and for whatever reason they left behind something of lesser value. But they didn't leave their own stuff. They left behind what they stole. So we learned in the Braisa that in Natal, that if they gave you a, this inferior donkey, if you took it, you've got to give it back to the owners. Not like it says in our Mishnah. Really, the truth is our Mishnah, the way Rashi learned, the Mishnah didn't say you can keep it. Yeah, the Mishnah says that, that Mistama, there was Yush, and you can keep it. And here it says, give it back. So it says the Gemara Kesavar, that this Braisa holds Yush, that Yush alone doesn't do it. And therefore, the, the, the Meichas got it wrongfully. 
Aydiz Shinoi Rishus. So the first Taich in the Brisa is the Brisa is telling you like go beyond the letter of the law. Oh, it's Yush was not cunning. Yeah, the owners get Elamite is Yush and Shinoi But here you're getting it from a robber. Like you get something from a robber, give it back to the original owner. Says another Brisa. There's another version that it's even written even clearer. You don't have to give it back. Then you get to keep it. But if you want to give it back, to whom do you give it back? That's the point. Don't give it back to the Moiches. Uh, if you want to be a chassid, nice. The Moiches is a robber. Give it back to the owner. However, then in other words, why does he say that you Beyond the letter of the law, you should give it back because Yush is cunning. It means Yush and Shinrishus is good. You really own it. But if a person says, I don't want to have something that, you know, that came from theft, then give it back to the original owners. The point of the Braise is never give it back to the tax collector. Never give it back to the listim. Now what happens if you don't know who the owner is? So we have these other dinam that we learned before. If a person stole, he doesn't know from whom he stole, then do a community service, build a mikvah. That's what we learned in the Gemara. So sell it and give the money back to the community. Hopefully some of it will be benefited by its original owners. The point is, don't give it back to the moiches. Now, then the Mishnah said, the contradiction, that if you saved something from the Nahar, from the Gaius, from the Listim, then Harei Elu Shaloi, no, no, back to the first case of the Mishnah, that if a Moiches took your good donkey, he took your good car and he gave you back a Alta Klanke, then it's yours. Because Nistama, the owners, gave up hope. Amar Ravashi says, Ravashi, or says, Ravasi, Loishanu Elalistim Evikichavim. That's only if the robber was a non Jew, Avalistim Yisrael, but if the robber was a Jew, Loi, you cannot presume that the owners gave up hope. Why not? Because if the robber was a Jew, then the victim never gave up hope. He thought, ah, a Jew robbed me, I'll take him to a dentator. I can't take the guy to a dentator, I can take a Jew to a dentator. And by the way, that will be already the answer of the uh, stira between the Reisha and the second case in the Mishnah. When do we presume that the owners gave up hope? If the robber, according to this version, was a guy. If the robber was a Jew, then they, we can't presume that they gave up hope. And now the Gemara is going to say, Mamish, the opposite. Maschva Rabbi Yosef, the opposite is so true today in Golos. Adarabo, Ibcha Mestavro, Akum the Daine Bigesi, Goyish courts that have the power to enforce their rulings. Then the opposite. If a Goy robbed from me, if I can take him today to the court here in LA, I won't give up hope because I know that I can take him to court and if I'll win, he'll have to pay me back. If a Jew robbed from me, can't take him to court. It's only money. Only monies, you can never take a Jew to court. You have to take him to a Beisden. Even though I can take him to Beisden, what power does Beisden have? Nothing. The most they can do is they'll say, he owes me. So he'll say. And the robber won't want to abide by it. And there's nothing Beisden can do. So if a Jew robs from me today, I give up hope right away. Gavaldi. Yisrael? No. Yisrael, Kivan, the Omrei Meymar. All Beisden can do is talk. That's all they can do. Miyayish. So Ella say the opposite. I say for Itmar. And that's how you reconcile it. When a Mishnah says Hamatzal min ha'akum, really in our in our Mishnah it's not min ha'akum. In our Mishnah it's Hamatzal min ha'nor. If I found something in a river, or if I got something that was left behind by listim, so then the Mishnah says only if you know im nisyuashu habalim 
then you get to keep it, implying stam and not. And we learned in the Reisha that you can presume stam that there is yush. If the stealers were goyim, then you have to know the owners gave up hope because the owners might have not given up hope because they know that they can go to the local court. And if the court will take a find the truth that this was stolen from them, they will get it back. If, God forbid, if there was a Jewish robber, the victim of a Jewish robber has huge. Even the Amrei Meimar, all the Beisden has is the power to talk. Miyayash. We presume that they gave up hope. Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, and we had this before, Chevre and and here's the one point. When a person has a keli, once something is ready to be used, once it's halachically a utensil, it could become tummy. Obviously, it won't just become tame. You have to know all the dinam of if something which is a source of tumah touches the utensil, if it's under the same roof as a maze, then it can become tummy. If something is not yet a final product, it's not even susceptible to become tummy. What makes something a final product? So there's a Mishnah in Kalim that tells us sometimes just the intent of its owner. For example, you have a hide. A hide can be used to make it into shoes. So the hide is not a finished product yet. A person can take the hide as is and say it's a mat. If the owners make that decision, their machshava will be meta'amason. Machshava meta'amason means that the intent makes it susceptible to become tummy. So now the Mishnah is going to give you scenarios where something is under the dominium of X, Y, and Z, and sometimes their machshava won't have any effect. It has to do whether they own it or not, says the Mishnah. If their hide is in the possession of its owner, then the owner's intent for what this will be used. If he says, nah, this will be a mat, if it's as is a mat, it's already susceptible to become tummy. However, if it's in the dominion of a tanner, he who owns it. But the tanner is not someone who uses it. The tanner is the one that sells it. So if I'm selling wholesale, what will this hide be used for? I'm just selling it. The next guy will decide. Even though I own it now, and I sold it for mats, means nothing. Because I am not the final user. Okay, now the Mishnah says, Shal Gazlan, here you go. Ganof Gazlan. Gazlan is the guy who robs outright. If, it's, if a Gazlan has it, Obviously, this Tana holds that when someone is robbed, the owner doesn't give up hope. There's no yush. Stam, no yush. Shalganov, but if it was taken by a thief, machshavah metamason. The logic of the Tanakhama is, is that the fact, well, the gazlan, the, 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 the gazlan is not it because the victim knows who it is. That's the pshat gazlan. So he knows who took it. So he might have hope to getting it back. So there's no yush. By a ganov, you wake up in the morning and that's missing in your house. You don't know who took it. You give up hope. That's the Tanakam Rab Shimon. The Tanakam Rab Shimon says the opposite. He says, Chiluf Advarim, Punk Fakert, Shal Gazlin, The fact that that robber had so much chutzpah that in my face he took it from me, that means he's very confident in himself. He's, a, he's an aggressive person. There's no way I'm getting it back. I'm intimidated. By a Ganav, the opposite. When I have something, Giganvit. So the first thing I know is, is that guy is more intimidated by me than me of him. He was hiding from me. I'll just have to figure out who it was and I'm going to get it back from him. So the Ganif never owns it, 
the victim of Geneva doesn't have Yush, so the Ganav cannot own it to, to, to determine its usage. Now, there is a Machlaikas, Amairaim, in the Machlaikas Tanoim. It's a Machaya, I know it's late, but it's a very easy yom. So here's the thing. Ula Rabba. Ula says, Machlaikas Abistam. The Machlaikas Tanakaman Abshimin is only when we don't know whether the owners gave up hope or not. So that's the by Do we say Stam Gezele Yush? Stam Geneva Yush. Avil Biyadua. If we know that the owners gave up hope, we quoted that Ashi when we learned the Mishnah, that we heard from the original owner, Oi they, bye, Oi, I'm not going to get it back. If we hear those words, then, okay, they gave up hope, they verbalized Yush, they verbalized Yush, we take their words as Yush, and now the Ghana for the Gazlan, they own it. Obviously, this Mishnah prescribes, that's what we learned in the Samachvav, that Yush Kedi is enough. This Yush, you own it, and now from now on, they're the owners, and their machshava will affect. Says Rabbah, no, that even be yadua nami machlekes. This is a huge din. Rabbah says that when someone has something robbed from him or her, and a victim says, "Oy vey, I'll never get it back," they don't really mean it. People love being victims. Oy, I'll never get it back. So, no, Rabbah says that the Tanakama will hold that by gezela. By Gezela, since the victim knows who wronged him, he will never give up hope of getting it back. His words mean nothing. Now the Gemara says, How can you argue with Ula? And he's going to start quoting, now we're going back to our Mishnah, and other works of Tanaim, that will only work if you accept Ula. And Rabbah will stand his ground the whole time. How can you argue with Ula? We learned in our Mishnah... The way we learned, Lefi, I'm sorry, first he quotes the words in the Mishnah and Kalim. Rab Shimon says, Lefi, his words, that Lefi, clearly Rab Shimon says that the reason why the current person cannot have the power of determining the function of the Kali, which implies, so Rabbi says, okay, who, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's because the owners did not give up hope. All what Rabbi is adding is that whether he gave up hope or not is not determined based on what he says. It's not unusual. Normally, you heard a person make a statement, you go by it. Rabbi says, Anan lufi she'ein yush He's not amending it. Not, you know, Rabbi is saying, Rabbi Shimon is saying, he does not give up hope. In other words, even if he says, Oi, Vaili, I lost it. Vaili, I'll never get it back. Vaili, complaining, so what? Right, Tanan, again, a kash against Rabbi. Here's some our mission. If a moichas takes your donkey and it gives you back an alte kalanki donkey. And the Mishnah says, the way we learn Pshat, that if you know the owners gave up hope, you can keep the Shmata donkey, Yush, and Shinu Rishuz. Our Mishnah, the problem with our Mishnah is, the Mishnah begins with moichas. Look inside the Mishnah. Moichas, listen. That's why when we learn the Mishnah, we taught listen means a ganif. The Mishnah puts together Gazlan and ganif. Now we have a machlekes Rabbanan and Abshimin. Neither of them hold Ganaf and Gazlan are the same. Either the default Yush is by Ganaf or the default is by Gazlan. So our mission will be like no one asks the Gemara. Eat Rabbanan kash le Gazlan. Eat Abshimin kash le Ganaf. Now if you're going to learn like Ula, you don't have a question. Because what did Ula say? That the machlekes is only when you don't know. But if you do know, it's different. That when you know the owner gave up hope. When you heard the owner says, Oi, Vaili, I won't get it back, then you're kind of, Hachanami, our Mishnah is Biyadu'ah. As we said, when you know, 
You have to know. Not stama, you have to know. But according to Rabbah, that says, even the Yidun al-Machlaikis, Hamani Lerabon Lerab Shimon. So there's one answer. The answer is, is that when our Mishnah speaks about a Moichis, a Moichis is for sure a robber. A Gazlan, you see the Moichis. List them doesn't mean a Ganath. List them means list them as Zoyim. Again, a Gazlan. And therefore, our Mishnah is Rab Shimon. Rab Shimon holds that by a Gazlan, Machshova Metamosan, that by a Gazlan, you give up hope right away, even though you know who did it. The fact that that guy had the guts to do it fun of, so you feel like, I'll never get it back from him. I, why did the Mishnah give two examples if they're both Gazlan? The Mishnah gave two examples of Gazela. And this back and forth will happen now in the whole Lamed. Tashma, another attempted question against Rabba from the following Braisa. Haganov, Hagazlan, Bohanos. Aganath, Agazlin, and an expropriator. An expropriator is someone who takes what's yours, he pays you for it, but you didn't want to give it to him. He forced you to sell it. So the din is, once they have it, if they're magnishit, it works. If they stole or robbed or expropriated produce, they can give Truman Meiser. Even though, who has the right to be magnish? Only the owner. Who has the right to separate Truman from Meiser? Only the owner or his shliach. Uh, it says, Hegdeish and Hegdeish, Trumas and Truma, Maestrois and Maeser. Again, the question is, money. And whenever you have a work of Tanoim that they put together, Ganath and Gazlan, you'll have this problem. Ganath and Gazlan are the same. Either one or the other will be the only ones upon which the owner has Yush. Eat up and Kasha Gazlan. Eat up Shimon Kasha Ganath. And again, if you're going to go according to Ullah's interpretation, that Ullah limited their argument when you don't know, but if you know that it was Yush, then Yush is Yush. But according to you, Rabbah, that you say, even the Yadua, even if the victim says, I gave up hope, doesn't mean anything. So the Kasha will be Hamani, to which the Gemara gives the same answer, that this Braisa that says Ganaf and Gazlan, the Ganav doesn't mean a Ganav. It means listen to You know who it is. And therefore the, 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 the Bryce will be according to Rab Shimon that says that by a Gazlan you give up hope. So therefore the Ganav owns it. So the Ganav can be Magdashit. Ay, hiyochi hain a Gazlan. Trey Gazlan. Or the Gemara says now, one second. There was a third Tana. There was a Tana Rebbe. Now Rebbe's statement was not explicit. But we understand from Rebbe's statement that Rebbe disagrees with Rabbanan and Abshemin. Rebbe says, the Tanya Rebbe Yomer, Ganav Kegazlan. That's all he said. Now what did he mean by Ganav Kegazlan? It can mean Ganav Kegazlan like the Rabbanan. Or it can mean Ganav Kegazlan like Rabshimin, that cunning. And turning to Amit, the Kaimelan. And we know, how do we know? That's going to be the next piece of the Gemara. That what Rebbe meant was a Ganav is like a Gazlan with Rabshimin. That says by a gazlan machshavasan mitamasan that the gazlan acquires that the victim has yush by both. Perfect. If ganav is like a gazlan, then the brayse is authored by Rebbe. How do we know that when Rebbe says ganav ke gazlan, he meant that there is yush like Rab Shimon? Maybe he meant ganav ke gazlan that there is no yush. So now we'll prove. Gufa Rebbe Oimer, Oimer Ani. I always say Ganav is like a Gazlan as far as Yush is concerned. So he buy So they asked in Yeshiva. Okay, we know that Rebbe said those words. What did he mean? Does he mean ki Gazlan that Abanan v'loy Kani, or did he mean ki Gazlan that Abshimin that yes Kani? So they tried to prove it initially. Tashimam from our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says not to Mechlim Chamayroi. If a custom collector took your donkey and they were nice. And they gave you someone else's inferior donkey. And our Mishnah says, 
the way it seems, Mistama, the owners gave up hope, and therefore you can keep it. And the Mishnah spoke about a Moichis and a Listim. Luchur, a Listim is a Ganav. So again, the question is, Mani, Irabon and Kashik Gazlan, Irabshim and Kashik Ganav. And again, this repetition, if you're going to say, like Ula, is good. Why? Because. I'm sorry, before we go to Ula. So if Rabbi meant the way he meant, that Ganav Kigazlan, the Rab Shimon, meaning that Kani, so our mission is going to be Rabbi. Bishamachi Kani. But if you're going to tell me that Rabbi meant Kigazlan, the Rabbanan, the so our mission is not Rabbi, not Rab Shimon, not Rabbanan. So the Gemara says that's not a proof, like we said before, because could be in our mission, a listem is referring to a listem is Zuyim. You saw the guy robbing from you. And Gazlan, Rab Shimon holds, there's Yush. I, why would the Mishnah give an example of a tax collector and a listim if they are both in the same category of Gazlan? Haino Gazlan? So the Gemara says that's not a question. The Mishnah is allowed to give two examples. Tregavne Gazlan, another attempted proof. Toshima, we just learned this, the Braisa that says Haganov, the Hagazlan, the Hoanos. Hegdeshim Hegdesh, Trumasim Truma, Maestroi Seyem, Maestroi Son, Maestroi. Again, Mani, if it's Rabbanan, Kashel Gazlan, if it's Rab Shimon, Kashel and again, the Bach adds the words that Gazlon did up Shimon Ka'omar. That's what Rebbe meant, which is Takawari meant. Gavaldik. So that's why our Mishnah goes according to Rebbe. The Mishnah gives examples of a Ganav and a Gazlon. And always there's Mistama, Yush, Yush Kani. El Yomad Ganav Ki Gazlon did Hamani, who will our Mishnah be like? So the Gemara says that's not a proof, because maybe our Mishnah means list of I, Merab Shimon, I, why do you have to give, you already spoke about a Gazlan, which is the Moichis, the, the, tax, the custom collector, so again, today Gavne Gazlan. So, this is going to be the uh, final proof. It says in Abraisa, and we had this in the beginning of the Pedic, that when our Mishnah said that if a father, God, the Mishnah began, if a person is a Gazlan, and they died, the Gazlan died, and the item that he left is Be'en, and the children have it. That's the way Rebbe taught his son the Mishnah. And there the Mishnah says that the son gets to keep it. The only reason why you have to give it back is because of dignity of the parent. But if not for that, why do you keep it? Because by Gezela, there is Yish. And we hold like Rami Bar Chama, that Rishus Yorish is Kirishus Lekeach. So you have Yish and Shina Rishus, which is cunning. Is a Haraya, Rebbe learns, Gavaldik. That a Gazlan there is Yush. So when Rebbe says Ganav ke Gazlan, he meant like Rab Shimon that there is Yush. Says that Rebbe told his son, Mamish is not only referring to land that the children have to give back to the original owner because land cannot be stolen. El Afilu, if a father stole metaltalin, but he stole a identifiable item, which is, for example, a cow that is being used in public to plow, or a donkey that's being used in public to schlep stuff. And as we said before, time is only because then you wouldn't have to return it. I, the item that was stolen is Be'en, because there was Yish and Shinari Shus. Now the Mishnah, in the second case, where we said you have to know there was Yush, so if a Gaius, if troops went through LA and they left behind stuff, and we know their stuff is stuff that they stole from other people, then you have to know whether the owners gave up hope. And if the owners did not have Yush, you have to give it back to them. And then the Mishnah gave another example of a swarm of bees. 
Says the Gemara, ask the Gemara, why did the Mishnah have to give this example? Same thing. If, if the swarm of bees went from you to me, if I know you had Yush, I can keep it. If not, I can't. Says the Gemara, that the original owner only owns it, the Kenyan, the Rabbananu, as we spoke out in the Mishnah, because anything that flies, bees, birds, you can't acquire them simply because they, because they made a nest in your property. Even if they made a nest. Because they can pick themselves up and fly away. Now, Avada, if you cage them, even Midaraisa, you acquire them. But we're not speaking, we're speaking about, you know, you have a beehive. So you would think, since the original owner only owns it, so now that the bees flew from his place to my place, he knew, he's learned the neighbor. He knows that he never owned it midaraisa, even though once the Rabbanan says you own it, you own it. But maybe he'll give up hope easier. I don't have to know that he gave up hope. So the Mishnah te- teaches you only if you know in this yoashu alam in Eloi Eloi. Now, referring back to the Mishnah, that a woman or a minor who halachically are not kosher witnesses. That if they say that the, the bees that moved into my property today, they came from you, we believe them. How, why do you believe them? Right, that we learned this not that long ago. It's based on the passage. It says, We say Elohim when it refers to Beisdin, and Ho'anashim, and not Nashim. And Ketanam are not even uh, halachically mentally competent. So says Rabbi Yonah Shmuel, When do we believe them? You need to have two conditions. Number one, The original owners are chasing the bees. So the circumstantial evidence that it belongs, now this is not proof, it's circumstantial proof. Hey, those were my bees. And number two, that Beisden did not ask the woman or the minor to testify officially. They were speaking casually. Masih lefituman. So, and what are they saying? That Mikan there's one guy running, running to me in the street. Hey, where are my bees? And a woman says, Ah, you see that guy? He's running. I know why he's running, because the bees left his property. So then you accept. So there's a concept now called Masih speaking casually. Here it's only good if there's something else backing it up. The owner is running. And a woman or a minor are saying, yeah, they were the original owners. Says Ravashi, don't apply Masih Lafitumai to all areas of Allah. Ravashi, Masih Lafitumai, Kasher, When do we rely on Masih Lafitumai? If the issue is whether a woman will, God forbid, be a Yavama, be a Aguna, I'm sorry, if a woman's husband disappeared, and, and a woman comes and says, yeah, I was by the Leviah of her husband, then you believe her. That's only for her not to become an Aguna. But if it's not for the Kula of Agunais, we don't rely on Masih Lafitumai. So asks Rabbinu Tarabashi Viloi, what about our Mishnah? But in Nechil shall divide him. And here there's no Agunas. Masih Lafitumai who? So here the Gemara answers interestingly. Before we spoke about the Kenyan the Rabbanan vis a vis the original owner, now we're speaking about Masih Lafitumai vis a vis the current owner, that Shani Nechil shall divide him. Since the, the bees flew into my property, the Mishnah says, I have to give it back to the original owner. Why do we rely on Masih Lafitumai? 
Because even I only acquired it Nidrabanan. The king in the Rabbanan who? I did not acquire it Midaraisa. That's why I have to give it back based on the Masih Lafitumai. Frag the Gemara again, Ravashi holds that by any law the Araisa, who the Araisa you don't rely on Masih Lafitumai. For Amr Abiram Ashmuel, Maithabadamecha, we had this in Subas, there was a story with a person. That he was speaking casually and he said that the Qurani, I remember, when I was a child, when I was still riding on my father's shoulders, my father used to carry me, and then he took me out of Cheder early. See, that's what kids remember. And he took me to the mikvah, he helped me undress, and he took me to the mikvah, telling me, you go to the mikvah now, in order for you to eat, trum at night. And we in Ksubis, we spoke out to Rashi, that says that children play with garbage, and there's a chazaka that in garbage you have dead shiratsim. Lav dafka just goes in the so-called civilized world that we live in today, but the shmayna shiratsim that are dead, our av hatuma, you touch it, you become a rishon. To eat truma, you have to go to the mikvah to wait until nightfall. So, being that there were shiratsim dead in their garbages, they never gave children truma before they went to the mikvah and waited until night. I remember that. And Abchanina added, and he was saying that the chaverai bedilan mimenu, my, my, my friends in Chayden never touched my food. And they used to say, they used to call me Yechanan who eats chalas. This is a minor testifying to something that he heard when he was a kid. And because of that, Rabbi allowed him to, say, to call himself a client. Now, he's testifying when he's an adult, but he's testifying to something that he remembers when he's a minor. That's called Eidus Katan. Masiach Lefitumai. But Masiach Lefitumai Ravashi saying doesn't work by Dina Doir Isa answers the Gemara that when that happened, Bizman Rebbe, Truma was only Midrabanan. After Yidin were exiled, Truma Bizman Azaz only Midrabanan. For Dina Dirabanan, we rely on Masiach Lefitumai. I, Vakata, are you telling me that the Oirai Soloi? He said in the name of Rabchana from Kartigna, or Vamrilan, the name of Acha Kartigna, that Mishtoi, that they related, that Maisabalafne Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Vamrilan, Maisabalafne Rabbi, that there was a story with Tinuk, there was a minor that was saying, Ani, Imi, me and my mother, Nishbinum, Lubino Akum, we were taken captives by the Goyim. And as we learned in Ksubis, if a guy has a relation once with a Jewish woman, even if it's, God forbid, against her will, she cannot marry a Kayan. That's if you know there was a relation. Now, if a woman was kidnapped by Goyim, Chazaka, they had a relation with her. So she can no longer marry Kohanim. So this child was saying or, that I was kidnapped with my mother and I was old enough to know that my mother might be molested and I never left my mother's sight. He said that even when I went to draw water, and because of my testimony, and that's a dine doiraisa. So the Gemara says, no, it's not a dine doiraisa. We don't know to begin with that a woman was molested. It's a chazaka she got molested. But we don't know that for sure. Don't forget there's also a chazkas kashos. So the reason why a woman who was kidnapped cannot marry Kahanim, that's Midrabanan. Because the Chachamim say that Chazaka, she was raped. But since it's only a Dindrabanan, there we allow Masih Lefitumai. Let's hop around another line or two. So now the Mishnah spoke about Amachlaikis. I have my bees. My bees flew into your yard. They planted themselves on your branch. Question is, can, my, can I cut your branch down 
to save my bees, paying you. Tanakama says no. Rabbi Shmuel Benoi says yes. So tiny, we learned this. We had this in the Pe'ala from the days that Rabbi Shmuel Benoi shall Rabbi Yechonim Bereka Oimet. When we learned about, remember that the ten Tanoim Shehisna Yehoshua Kishehinchil to our people as Saaretz. So there we had this Brisa that Rabbi Shmuel adds to the ten. And what were the other three? Tanai based in who that one has the right to go into his neighbor's property. I'm allowed to cut my neighbor's branch to get back my swarm. And obviously, I have to pay for it. I cannot claim I don't have the money to pay for your branch. If need be, the victim gets payment from making me sell my swarm. So I have to pay him back. He's guaranteed he'll get paid, but I'm allowed to do it even though he's not happy with it. The other thing is tonight, based in who honey has more value than wine at least then so if two people had barrels a barrel of wine a barrel of honey your barrel of honey cracked you're losing your honey you didn't lose it yet you don't have use because it's only cracked that was the Gemara there so the din is that I can be demanded to spill my wine out to save your honey but you have to compensate me so again, there's a concept that there are certain times that I can impose a financial loss on you, paying you, because the bigger picture, my loss will be greater. That can be done. And the third thing is the same thing with donkeys, bite the donkeys, that if my, I have a donkey carrying wood, your donkey is carrying uh, flax, pishtan. Pishtan is worth more than flax. The donkey of the flax is gestorben. So the question is, can you demand for me to let my wood get lost, use my donkey to save your flax, and you compensate me for the wood. You want to compensate me, and you will, but you cannot impose it on me. You can demand for me to unload my wood. And the flax owner who lost his donkey will use my donkey. This was one of the tanoim that Yeshua made. Concepts for the greater good. People sometimes have to give up some of their rights. Again, they get compensated, but they have to give up their donkey. They have to give up their barrel, and they have to give up their branch. A little bit behind, but Amir Hashem, to be continued. They got to press the button.